is mightier than all. And so your Father has highly exalted you and given you a name that is above every other name. And at the mention of that name, every knee bows, every tongue confesses your Lordship, your might, your power, whether it be in heaven, on the earth, or underneath the earth. And so Peter says that all authority, whether it be angelic or thrones, have been made subject to you at your ascension, at your resurrection. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your presence. We give you praise for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped. And the people of God said, Amen. And the people of God said, Amen. If you know that you are here by the grace of God, by the strength of the mighty King of kings and the Lord of lords, just let the praises of the Lord erupt from your lips. Let the praises of the Lord erupt from your lips. Give glory to him, the one who made you, the one who helps you to stand, the one who has given you his life, for it is his life that is at work in us. That's why he said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we also shall appear with him. Because we are no longer separated. There is no dividing wall. He is the one that has united us with the Father. When you see Jesus, you see us. When you see us, we see Jesus. For the church of God has become the bone of his bones and the flesh of his flesh. They can never be separated. Say to yourself, I can never be separated from the Lord. I can never be apart from the Lord. He said, what can separate us from the love of God? He said, neither height nor depth, neither angels, neither demons, neither things seen or unseen, whether things known or unknown, nothing can separate you. Come on, tap your shoulder and say, nothing can separate me. Nothing can separate me. Not my past, not my present, not my future, not my trials, not my temptations, not my successes, not my accolades. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. For all I see is Him. When Christ, when Christ is your prize, when Christ is your ultimate treasure, when Christ is the end of your faith, nothing can take your focus away from Him. When He is the one you are desiring, when he is the one you are seeking, when he is the one that, that covers your face, covers your thoughts, covers your mind, nothing can separate you. Nothing can move you because he becomes the rock on which you stand. He becomes your help in times of trouble. He becomes that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one that helps you, magnifies himself in your sight so that nothing can take his place. When we focus on the word, our desire, our utmost desire, must always be to find Christ and how he speaks to us. Always. He must be the center of our praise, the center of our thoughts, the center of our decision making. The center. And so when we come together, gathered as a body, we realize that we are gathered as that center. You have to understand this. That the church is Christ's authority here on earth. 
You must never see yourself below that. Never see yourself below that. Irrespective of what you are going through. You see, when trials come, they come as a question mark. The aim of every trial comes as a question. That trial is questioning you. That trial is asking you, do you know who you are? That trial is asking you, do you know where you are? That trial is asking you, do you know what you have? It's a question. It's a question. And so, Peter and James say, count it all joy. When you are going through all those trials and temptations, why? Because it is asking you whether Christ is the center of your thoughts and your vision. Who is going to take glory from this particular situation? Is it going to shift you away from the position that he has placed you? Turn to your neighbor. If they are close to you, you say, no shaking. Put your hand on your chest. Say, no shaking. Why? Because he said that it is upon the knowledge of the lordship, the authority of Christ, that his church will be built. And then the gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, every single thing that is thrown at you is questioning you whether that knowledge has been established and whether Christ is the foundation. We will always be asked that question and you want to know why. The reason is this. If there is any portion of your life, any portion of your life where you look at yourself as being able, then there will be a challenge. Any portion of your life where you see yourself as not needing help, Probably due to a natural gift, natural talent, and ability. Then that ground is shaky. So when we praise, we are saying, Lord, you are the ground on which we stand. You are the ground on which we stand. We have no hope elsewhere. But you alone are the ground on which we stand. So Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We are asking you to have your way here today. You are my words. You are our words, our vision. You are the meditation of our hearts, the song in our hearts, our peace, 
our joy, our glory, our pride. So we ask that nothing here shall take our minds and our focus away from you. Nothing here will take our minds and our focus away from your authority, from your power, from your victory. And so we agree as a body that the ministration of your life, the ministration of your power, the ministration of your presence, the ministration of your truth, that it will be entrenched here by your power, by your glory, by your might. That we ask for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Um, as some of you are aware, um, our pastor is um, he's not. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> That's what happens when you shout. <laughs> our pastor is not in, in the house. Um, he's ministering in Lynchburg. Um, so please, when you have the chance, reach out to him. Tell him that you love him. Tell him that you missed him. That you missed his worship, his, his, his power, his, his voice, his ministration. Just reach out to him and tell him how much you missed him. Um, by God's grace... Um, I've been tasked to share the word, the believer's act of patience. The believer's act of patience. In other words, this is looking from the focus of the believer. How do we act? And how does our act reflect the patience of God? How? How does the fruit of our actions Reveal God's patience. The first thing that we need to do is go through James chapter 1. And we're going to be reading James chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verses 2 to 4. James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. And I read, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or patience. And let patience have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let everyone say, Amen. So we see here from what James is saying that, J that patience is forged under trial. You would not know how patient you are until there is stress, until there is something that is opposing you. Once there is opposition, once there is a resistance to your movement, then you know how patient you are. You know how much patient, patience has been formed within you. So, there is a requirement for an opposition. So, for example, if I am being opposed by that very strong man over there, then I know that it will take great patience for me not to be upset with him. 
if we are trying to push ourselves, you, you all remember the uh, game we used to play back in the day. I don't know whether they still play it. Uh, a tug of war. You know, when you are trying to prove the people who have the most strength. You know, and then it's a game of endurance. It's also a game of numbers. But numbers doesn't always cut it. It depends on the strength of those who are opposing each other. And so sometimes you see both teams just struggling and struggling. And it is only those who endure to the end that becomes the victors. So there is a requirement for endurance. And that endurance means you are looking towards the prize. And that prize is saying, we must be victorious here. And so you stand your ground and you begin to pull and pull with all your strength. With everything that is within you. But it is forged on that trial. If someone does not want to engage in opposition, if someone does not want to engage in any form of resistance, immediately they will let go of the rope. But once someone has decided, uh, we heard that word, made up that mind to say, I'm going to go through the extra mile to make sure that this thing, I'm not letting go of this rope, no matter the cost. No matter the cost, then that's patience. And so, we say that patience is the quality, one Greek word, as I said, I don't like mentioning it. But in this case, I will, just so that you can differentiate the definitions. So, the first Greek word is makrotumia, which is the reason why I don't like mentioning it. Which is the quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. And this refers to the believer's attitude towards others. So when someone does something that is hurtful, that quality to not surrender to that emotion to just respond in like manner. But you respond in a way that you are used to. That is patience. And then there is another definition, which is hupomone, that Greek word. And that really is talking about an abiding under an instruction. You're abiding under that instruction. But this one, this word refers to hope. So, for example, when Peter was talking about patience with respect to salvation and not delay. He was saying, come, just hold on to that hope that you have. Christ is definitely coming. He's coming. A thousand years is like a day to God. You know, Christ is definitely going to come. So just be, be patient and be, just have that comfort in that fact of what Christ has said. Because he said he will come, he will come. So what are the attributes of patience? What are the attributes of patience? First thing is this. Patience is forged under trial. Patience is forged under trial. Also, 1 Peter chapter 1, from verses 6 to 7, makes us to understand that patience is valuable, worth more than gold. 
patience is valuable, worth more than gold. And then, the third is this. Patience is the result of tested faith. Patience is the result of tested faith. Now, how do we see or acknowledge tested faith from patience? Number one, by seeing what faith produces during the test. By seeing what faith produces during the test. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 2 says this. It says that it is by obtained a good testimony. By faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Again, it makes us understand that their faith never produced the works of unrighteousness. Faith would never produce the works of unrighteousness. In other words, faith must always produce the works of God. What of would resemble the works? The works of faith would always resemble Christ. The works of faith would always resemble Christ. Whatever Christ would do, that would be what faith produces. Whatever Christ would do, that would be what faith produces. Now, the second point is this. The result of faith. Shows us by seeing our response when we wait or tarry for a promise or an expectation to be fulfilled. Someone has given you a word or you have seen a promise. You see it in the word. We all recognize that all promises are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That is why he says in the word that he is the yes and the amen. The yes, the faithful one, the yes and the amen. All promises terminate in Christ. And so we say, Father, I see your word. I see what it says. But why am I seeing what is contrary to your word? Now, it is at that moment we know how patient we are. How do we respond to those situations that contradict what the word has said? How do we respond to those situations that contradict what the word has said. You have to understand. You have to understand this. You see, when Abraham received the promise, when he received the promise, it took him 25 years for that promise to be actuated. Now, within that 25 years, we see him indulge in some things that we will not particularly say is right. He slept with his servant girl. He did some things that were kind of shaky. But the good thing about Abraham was that he 
the place of the promise and held on to the word of God and became an example of faith for all of us. And then we think about people like Joseph. He was given a promise in a dream. You will be a great man. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed before him in his dream. But it took him years. But it is in the midst of that trial we see something. That the heart of Joseph was always right and always true. Even though what he was going through time and again contradicted the promise. He stood up in faith. And of course we see the church. For 2,000 years, we've heard that he's coming. I have heard people personally say, he's been saying he's coming. <laughs> so that scripture, <laughs> Peter was on the money. <laughs> he's been saying he's coming. Uh, where, is, where is he? Turn to your neighbor and say he's coming. <laughs> Tell him he's coming. <laughs> But we see here that you know how patient you are by your response when you tarry or wait for a promise or an expectation to be fulfilled. You know how faithful you are in what you do in those situations. Do you say, after all, Jesus will forgive me. I can do whatever I want. What is the response? Remember number three, we said patience is the result of tested faith. By implication, patience reveals the sincerity of your love. Patience is the outcome of tested love. First Peter chapter 1 verse, verses 7 to 8. First Peter chapter 1 from verses 7 to 8. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Now verse 8. And though you have not seen him, you love him. So he talks about the proof. He talks about the test. And then he goes straight to love. And then from love he says, And though you do not see him now, but you believe in him. So you see there, him talking about love and faith. Being the utmost result of patience. We'll look at the scripture. In Mark chapter 14 from verses 66 to 72. Mark chapter 14 from verses 16 to, uh, 66 to 72. We are not going to read. We see here that Peter denied Jesus three times. He denied Jesus three times. The first time, it was when a servant girl approached him. He said, I don't, I, don't, I don't know you. I don't know him. The second time, the servant girl begins to tell people. And then he says, I don't know him. The third time, other people approached him. 
This time, he cursed himself. See the depth. First, I don't know him. I'm serious. I don't know him. He said, in fact, as they will say back home, thunder fire me. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know him. He said, I don't know this man that you are talking about. Three times. But the interesting thing you see here is that when Peter is confronted by Jesus in John chapter 21 verse 17, Jesus doesn't ask him, do you know me? He doesn't ask him, do you believe in me? His question three times is, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Patience always reveals the sincerity of your love. You can only be patient with people you truly love. So when you say you love a person, you are telling that person you will be patient with them no matter what they do. No matter what they do. Remember, God is patient with us. Jesus, our bridegroom, is patient with us. Remember, he is not tarrying, not delaying because of what we understand as delay. He is being patient so that all will be saved. It's all about his salvation. So he's patient. He's patient. And even when the disciples were asking him in Matthew, when shall these things be? When will you come? The gospel would have gone across the earth. So he wants to be patient, to make sure that there is a proliferation, a scattering of the seed of the word. So we can view the believer's acts of patience as an abiding under and holding on to an instruction or belief during a test or trial. And this is mostly birthed out of love. For Peter, it was, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep and my lambs. This was pregnant with meaning. He says, if you understood what I went through, if you understand why I had to endure separation, remember the true definition of death is separation from the father. So when he died, that was the death he died. He separated from the father and then he shouted, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? And then they said he gave up the ghost. So his death was that separation. He says, if you understand what I went through in that separation, if you understand why I went through what I went through, you will bring others to the fullness of this hope, of the fullness of what I have done. The fullness of this gift that I have given. So for him, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. For his disciples, in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, 
you will keep my commandments. So that, how does patience have its perfect work? Recall in James chapter 1 verse 4, James chapter 1 verse 4, And let patience have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I lack in nothing. I am perfect and complete because patience is at work in me. Just tap yourself and say, I am a work in progress because patience is building me up. He's knocking me into place. So how does patience have its perfect work? The first thing is this. It reveals areas of wrong belief and unbelief. It reveals areas of wrong belief and unbelief. Now this is where what you heard is extremely important. When we came into the faith, were we told that things would be rosy? Were we told that things would go according to how we see fit when it comes to comfort? Would we enjoy comfort? Would we be comfortable? Would we have an easy road? Would we live on easy streets? And then when trials begin to come, and things don't align with what we think we heard, that things would be rosy, would have who sleep on a flowery bed of ease. We begin to question. This wasn't what I bargained for. Uh, this this wasn't what I bargained for. So there is a contradiction. There is things are not adding up. You start to question the message. You start to question the belief. It is not at that point. The faith that is wrong, but it is the belief that is wrong. It is what you are holding on in your heart and in your mind. So, when patience comes, it reveals that that thing that you believe is false. And so, Jude chapter 1, from verses 3 to 4. Jude chapter 1 from verses 3 to 4 says this. It says, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are being told that you can do anything, you can move in any way you want to move, when you receive a message that does not align with God in its truth, patience brings it, brings it out to the open. Now, the second thing is this. Patience reveals the level of the believer's understanding of what they believe. Patience reveals the level of the believer's understanding of what they believe. When Peter had denied the Lord, he went back to fishing because they did not understand the message at that time. 
So he told his, his brothers, he told his disciples, let's go out fishing. Let's do what we want to do. After all, the person that we thought was going to free, up, free us from the Romans is dead. They were expecting an earthly kingdom and rule, so they were discouraged when Christ was crucified. They had lost all hope. But at that point in time, it was because they did not have an understanding. So patience brought it out into the open. And in such instances, what we are meant to do is to ask for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So whenever you are in that position, where you have been approached with a test, with a trial, and you realize that for some reason, what you understand is not what you are noticing or what you understand is not what is appearing before you. Then it's a time to seek more wisdom and more understanding. And also, patience has its perfect work by revealing the state of the believer's maturity. By revealing the state of the believer's maturity. When we get burned again, we begin to believe that we can do some specific things at a level of maturity that we haven't actually developed to. So, you all of a sudden begin to notice that you probably are not walking as holy as you want to. You are not reflecting Christ as you should. You are not speaking with respect as you should. You are still gossiping. Still backbiting. Still lying. Still envious. At that point in time, you must realize that it is not by your strength. You have to hold on to the word of God. You have to look at the word of God. You have to focus on the word of God and begin to focus and focus and focus and focus. You allow the seed of the word to penetrate your heart until the life within that word begins to motivate you to do his will. Not from your strength, but from his strength. So at that point in time, you don't give up. You don't give up. Even if you don't look like the picture of Christ that you know that you want to get to, just don't give up. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verses 14 to 15, it says we behold as in a mirror the image of the Lord. He said, and we are transformed into that same image. It doesn't say you are transformed into that same image and light of glory immediately. But he says, you are transformed into that image from glory to glory. So it's a progression. It takes time. 
It takes the investment of focusing on the word. Focusing on Christ. Focusing on the word. As you focus on the word, the seed begins to form the image of Christ within you. That seed is planted in your heart and it begins to take form and it begins to take root. But you have to keep focusing on the word. It is as you focus, as you look at that word, as you allow that word to have its full access into your heart, then there is a transformation. That's why Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word by which you might grow thereby. So there is an, a requirement for you and I to keep looking and desiring of the nourishment that comes from the word. It is the word that brings transformation. The word. The word is our entry. The word is our strength and our supply. The word is our nourishment. And the word matures us. It beats us into shape. It beats us into shape. That's why he calls his word a hammer. It beats us into shape. It helps us, matures us. It feeds us. That same word that is called the sincere milk is also called hard meat. So as nourishment is formed, as development occurs, then there is a point where you begin to accept the toughness of the word. But it starts with recognizing that you have to desire the sincere milk. And as the sincere milk begins to take root, as it begins to take form, then growth occurs. Then growth occurs. And then when trials come, those things that used to blow you down, you begin to resist it. That's why, you see, it starts with the word. You can't resist the devil until the word takes its root. If we are going to resist the devil, what are you going to use? Is it your strength? Is it your wisdom? Is it your understanding? It is the word. No matter what we say here, I can give you words. The established preachers here, equipped with the word of God, can give you words. But if there is no desire to meditate on it, to drain all the nourishment and the juices that are in the word, then you are putting yourself at a disadvantage. Brothers and sisters, there is a requirement. And that requirement is to focus on the word. It is only when that word has taken root that you can withstand and then you'd recognize that you are fully mature. Fully mature. Once that word has taken root. But if you are falling now, it's okay. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 says this. It says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up. And so someone might look at me and say, but my brother, I've fallen more than seven times. <laughs> that seven there is talking about perfection. In other words, you have mastered the act of falling. But guess what? You have fallen seven times and gotten up seven times. What has happened? You 
also master the art of getting up. So focus on the word. He is the author of your faith. He will get you to the place where you can stand. So just keep looking at Jesus. It may take time, but your change will come. Turn to your neighbor and say, it may take time. It may take time. But my transformation, but my transformation is, in is in the works. It may take time, may take time. but the glory, the glory of God is being revealed. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. It will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So don't let your situation... Don't let it weigh you down. Patience is being formed. Remember, the reason why you are being tested is to see what you believe, how you believe, and the level at which you believe. So just keep holding on to the word of God. And that storm that you are facing would be defeated. That storm you are facing would be defeated. Let's rise up on our feet.